previously on Just Cow in the City. But it's a new year, and you have to have faith. I don't need Valerie Bertinelli, I don't need Barbara Cooper to tell me about cooking. The Warriors, the 1979 film, music. I had three of my young girlfriends that come over my house. I can't drive my car into Times Square on New Year's Eve. Monday's not just about football, you know, it's not about football, it's just about going out and having wings. Just got in the city, everybody's here looking good and pretty. Been down, isn't it a pity? Trying to make things looking bright and chippy. All around, people seem crazy, walking around trying not to be lazy. But at night, it's a different place, making it work in your own space. Come on, come on, and dance all night. I'm here each week, it'll be alright, cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Just Gow in the City. My name is Dave Just Gow, and this is my show. Welcome and welcome again, everybody, into this world that we live in where everything's coming up, Just Gow. I am in a pretty good mood today. It is a beautiful, bright, sunny day in downtown Manhattan, although it is really cold. It's almost uh, in the teens, maybe 19, 20 degrees, snow on the ground, everybody's in a, 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 I I don't know if they're in a good mood or bad mood. I really haven't seen anybody in about seven days. I mean, I really just go out for Dunkin' Donuts and that's about it. it, it, It's embarrassing to call a podcast just go in the city and not leave the house. However, you could look at it a different way and say to yourself, well, you know, he does live in the city, and uh, is that an exciting city story when you're just living in your apartment in Manhattan? Maybe, maybe, probably not. I went out a couple times, so thank God, but it is rather amusing that it, it's like gotten worse. But I will tell you why and how, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, the big announcement, of course, is that I, I am taping this, as I usually do, on Saturday morning, January 8th is coming out on Tuesday, January 11th, Tuesday, January 11th, but on Saturday, uh, that's about 10 in the morning now, one hour ago, ladies and gentlemen, I was, I don't know how to, I'm trying to word it the best way, I made my first legal sports bet in New York State at 9 a.m. this morning, New York State finally allowed betting, it's, I, let me just play David's driving through the city tonight Through the lights on the Manhattan ferry line He makes his bets on a boat in a hat Freezing cold on the New York waterway line Say goodbye to Hoboken Say goodbye, my baby Say goodbye to Hoboken Say goodbye, my baby. Huh? That's right. That's the end of Hoboken, everybody. The end of Hoboken. It's over. It's over, folks. No more will I be able to get any kind of exercise whatsoever before making 
and, and, and convincing myself that gambling is good because it gets me out of the house and gives me exercise. It's over. Say goodbye to Hoboken. Say goodbye, my baby. Thank you so much. And, and, and it's always the same with me. Every Monday night I go there and act like a fool. That, I don't know. But that, that's, that's the story, folks. Legalized gambling began 9 a.m. in New York State. There are a bunch of idiots like me who were crossing the bridge, taking the ferry, whatever it took to make our stupid bets. No one has to do it anymore. We don't need to make the pilgrimage on Sunday mornings during the fall and winter to cross the George Washington Bridge where we can gamble in a legal and organized and orderly fashion where you are not going to get your thumbs broken or whatever, your kneecaps, you know, if you're from the 1940s, uh, by somebody sad and crazy uh, because it's all just what you have in your bank account. How come you didn't break this guy's thumb like I told you? How do you know I didn't break it? You don't think I hear things? Did I give you a job this morning or I didn't? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So why didn't you break his thumb like I told you to? When you don't do what I tell you to do, you make me look bad, huh? I figured, look... I figure if I break the guy's thumb, he gets laid off, right? He can't make Yeah, well, don't figure it. Let me do the figuring, okay, Rock? From here on, just let me do the figuring. You know? These guys think that we're running some kind of charity or something. They're going to get a flight. From here on in, do what I tell you to do because it's bad for my reputation. You understand? You got, you got it, Rock? I got it. And uh, whatever the case may be and how stupid it is, you know that I uh, usually do it. I don't even like to talk about it very much because it's a very embarrassing habit. But, you know, I also love it. And the, the thing, the, so so I'm sitting here on uh, Wednesday and I fi- and I get a text from uh, my friend Lou Pellegrino and they t- I couldn't even believe it. And I saw he goes, sports gambling begins 9 a.m. Saturday. You know, it just came out of the blue. Now, first of all, I've told you. Now, I got multiple podcasts where I called Andrew Cuomo a dick five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, just always. I hated the governor. I hated his father, him, and his whole fucking family. Oh, I couldn't stand him. I said, this guy's so corrupt, it's ridiculous. And when the pandemic happened and everybody was saying, Andrew Cuomo's the greatest, he's the greatest, I was like, you people are out of your goddamn minds. He's an idiot. It comes from upbringing. His parents are idiots, too. I said, I'm telling you, you don't know the Andrew Cuomo. And this isn't, I didn't even know about all this sexual stuff. I just knew he was a bad governor and a bad person. So much corruption. So as I mean, and I said, the reason, I mean, you got to be a fucking fool. If your state is bleeding money, or maybe that's the opposite way to put it. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're in bad shape financially. And, uh. The state next door, New Jersey, which is a laughing stock of, of the entire U- U.S., is making a fortune on legalized gambling and weed. And you want to have nothing to do with it. It makes no sense. We are talking about billions upon billions of dollars. Everyone in the country knows about Andrew Cuomo and how great they were you know, running for president. Oh, I want to marry him. He's so great. And then, of course, a complete spiral downward 
and the whole country knows about it. And what happened? So you, what I'm saying, the reason why I'm saying you know about it is because even though it happened in New York, if you live out of town, is because what I'm trying to say is you also know how soon, you know, this all was recent. So let's say he got, uh, he resigned, I don't know, over the summer. And now legalized gambling is six months later. It, I mean, as soon as he left office, people went to work and said, look, he's been holding. It's so obvious that I was right all these years. He was the reason. And I'm not saying that I wanted legalized gambling or any of that. I mean, I did, but it was it's the it's the same joke as the as the weed. The, the fact that my mother can go into a store in Colorado or California or Massachusetts. My mother could go into a store and legally buy me weed. I could call on the phone and be like, hey, do me a favor. On the way home, pick me up some Gorilla Glue. She's like, oh, the grit. No, 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 the weed. Go to the dispensary, pick it up. You know, my Aunt Judy goes to the dispensary. And the fact that I still have to call up with the code where, you know, go to, hello, Goldilocks, this is Papa Bear. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. So you know that's next. You know that's next. This guy was holding up all people's fun. And if you're going to use the terms like, well, we people have gambling problems. Well, people who have gambling problems found a fix. We spend all our money in the next state over. You dumb fuck. So <laughs> I couldn't believe how excited I was. So I'm sitting around Wednesday and I know about this, right? And I'm like, well. I got to head to Hoboken because I like one of the bets today. And I don't go every day. You know, I usually just go Sundays and then I go Mondays, which was fun for Monday Night Football before I go for wings. But Wednesday I was sitting here and I'm like, I want to set up some stuff for Sunday. And norm- normally it doesn't matter because I I will usually go visit my mother on Thursday. So I just make my bets on Thursdays. I, I don't know whether it, it, it's like I don't even want to share this with you, but I must just because I'm embarrassed about the gambling part. But, you know, I love it, too. But it's all bad for me. Right. So I, I, I what my mother is sick. And maybe she has COVID. I don't know. But the stress of the move and all that stuff, it finally took it. So it's not too sick. She just has a sore throat. I mean, it's really weird. Uh, I think everyone we know is actually sick with COVID symptoms and flu-like symptoms. And my mother got sick, but she's like, nah, I'm all right. You know, just a sore throat. And then it went away. But uh, there was no way I was going to go visit her this week. And I really didn't care uh, if I wasn't going to. But the only reason I like to go to Jersey was to make my bets. So now I have absolutely no reason to go anyway i knew i wasn't going to go this week and i like to set up the sunday bets with other stuff it's a whole long story you don't need to know but the fact of the matter is i was going to go out wednesday and i'm like i guess i'll maybe i'll go and i'm like you know what no no maybe maybe i don't know so then i'm like i guess i'll have to go out thursday and then because there's more things to do and then they announced that everything would be legal by saturday morning at 9 a.m and i said you know what I'm just going to wait. I, you know, I'm going to miss <laughs> betting a couple stuff that I'm sure I would have lost on anyway. Uh, but I can just wait here till Saturday morning. I can't even believe it. I don't have. But the worst part was I didn't leave the house all week. You know, at least on Wednesday in the afternoon, I was going to go out and I was going to ride the bike all the way from river to river, which is very healthy and good, and then take the ferry and then and then walk home. So all that's good. But now I don't even do that. I mean, this is technically a disaster, but it is a lot easier. I don't have to, you know, I'm not going to have to sit in the New Jersey Turnpike parking lot. Uh, 
in the freezing and sit there and make my bets. It's, it was just stupid. Is it going to be worse? Probably. Because now you can do all the stuff that was kind of helping me not lose a lot of money because, you know, you could bet in games, which is crazy. I don't think I'll fall for that, but it's like I'm pretty good with certain things that people are. I don't think I'll play the casino. Like I told you, my friend Alina was playing, you know, while we were eating dinner. She's like playing blackjack. I don't think I'll fall for that. And you got to be careful of that stuff. Think about that. I know there's people addicted to that. You know, I could actually sit on my computer now and legally play blackjack all night long. And can I see that happening? Maybe. I don't know. It's a little scary. But, you know, fuck all these places. They also said, like, we also put 60 million into gambling addiction, you know, like uh, to to make sure. I'm like, you fucking two-faced bastards. Them and their stupid stories. Gamble responsibly. Shut up. Yeah, you want us to gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. You guys will be out of business. But all those ads, it's awful. I mean, if you got a problem, you're so screwed. Those ads. Get $1,000 on your first sign-up. It's just, if you lose two bets, you make all this money. It's really, uh, that's that's just, un- just go for it all. You know, why are you, why you bothering with us, uh, with the other part? But I, I do feel bad for people that don't know they have an addiction yet. I've already been through it, and I kind of know, but uh, there's probably a bunch of young kids who are going to just enjoy this. It really is fantastic. <laughs> That's so stupid, too. But I obviously, if everybody was wanted it so bad, it's not just me. There's a lot of people who are quite interested in this ridiculousness that is a nationwide obsession. And that being said, I'll just um, open with what happened on Monday. You know, I finally got my car out of the garage. That wasn't easy, as you know. I think I told right, I told you I got depressed because it, it was very expensive, right? So I actually finally was able to get it out with three different credit cards, and I put it together. I couldn't even believe it. And, and, and when I got it out, I was, like, so happy, you know, because I got it out of the garage to put in another to, to to drive it a block away, put it in another garage. But I was like so happy that it was over that I had the car back because I, I really didn't know how I was gonna get that goddamn car out of the garage. So at least that got me out of the house on Monday. Which is funny because Monday I already had plans. So I went to the uh wing place Monday, right? But I'm uh well, I'm done. I'm done with the wing place, and not just because the wings or football's over, because it wasn't. There were still two more weeks left. And I'm, I'm done. my happy place turned into a disaster as the year as the as the calendar turned i went in there at seven o'clock monday after taking the ferry over to make my bets which i no longer have to do anyway it's so weird that it all just kind of came together i no longer have to go there anymore because it is right by the ferry so it was a, a kind of a perfect storm of sorts and and they fired the or they got rid of i don't know what happened they got rid of my favorite bartender this girl sam now, and, the, and the weird part was, I was like, I should get her something, you know, for the new year, for Christmas, because she's my favorite bartender. A, a relationship with a bartender is a very sacred thing if you're, if you're a drinking person. And, and, I, don't, and I, I think people can understand. I mean, you know, it's funny when I think about it. My friend Vincent, who I just talked to for an hour, we've been friends since the 90s because... 
he was my favorite bartender. <laughs> and we're, we're lifelong friends. He asked me to stand up with him at the altar, <laughs> you know, for, to get married. Uh, it, it, but, but he started out as my favorite bartender. And, and, and you know, my friend Lori down at that, that bar that I uh, was going to, which I haven't been back near the comedy cellar, you know, my favorite place. I mean, you know, we hang out, we go to concerts together. We do stuff outside of her and, 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 and of course, um, you know, Lindsay, who just got married. I mean, you know, she comes to shows and we hang out after. I mean, it's like there, there's, a, there's a big, you know, relationship with, with a bartender that you just like a lot and who gets you and, and knows, you know, when you're, when you're done or, or when you're sad. It's, it's a huge thing. And, you know, again, there's two examples where I'm, where it's just so funny. You know, I, all I think about is, and, and, and this isn't even why, I mean, I, I like drinking before I saw it, but I'm just saying, or maybe there is something to it. I don't know. You know, I always wanted to have a favorite bartender. I mean, any movies or TV, you know, again, The Odd Couple, and of course, uh, Oscar always had his favorite bartender or, or even being Norm and Cheers, you know, I mean, that's, that's all I ever wanted, you know, that, but mostly it's, uh, Cary Grant's line in North by Northwest where he's being kidnapped and he goes, you know, there are several bartenders that, re- that rely on me and they're going to notice I'm gone. I have two ex-wives and several bartenders. I don't know the exact line, but, uh, one of my favorite lines in motion picture history I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I walk in and they tell me she's not, she's not there. You know, And I didn't go in the week before because she told me she wasn't going to be there. So when she's not there, I don't even go in anymore. So, I mean, now I'll go in for the wings every once in a while i guess maybe but i might not because i got into a fight with the owner she wasn't there they said they got rid of her because of covid which made sense to me because that day and it was really weird i was the only one in there it was seven o'clock it seemed like it was five o'clock five o'clock when i walk in they just open i'm the only one there seven o'clock during a monday night football game no one was there i was the only one there i invited olga and, and kate herman came she wasn't invited. She just showed up. It was a little weird, but um, I was the only. We were the only three there, and I was like, "Where's Sam?" And they're like, "Well, she's um, she got let go because there's just not enough shifts." And I don't know. It all seemed fishy. But he gave me her name, and I was able to DM her, and we talked about it for a while. But then I called the, before she wrote me back on uh, inst- on Instagram because I was like, "What you know? What happened? You know, I'm really upset about this. Really upset." I was almost going to walk out, except I'm like, eh, I got people coming. So, so then I called the owner, you know, the, the guy I had on my podcast, uh, Patrick, um, whatever his name is. I want to say Patrick Stewart, but we know that's not it. But Patrick from uh, Scruffy Duffy's. And I, in, and I texted him and I said, what happened with Sam? Was she a troublemaker or something? And of course, I was kidding. This is the problem with texting. The inflection is not there. So he's like, this is such an inappropriate text. I can't even believe it. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the exact appropriate text. I spend a lot of money in your bar. I talk about it nonstop for free. I promote it on my podcast all the time. I want to know what happened to my favorite bartender. So I'm done with that place. Fuck that place. I'm really upset about it. I don't know what happened. Again, it could be a COVID thing. She had COVID. Everybody got COVID. The whole staff got COVID. Maybe he was mad at that. Maybe she did something else. I mean, I've been talking to her and she seems okay. 
but uh, yeah, there's nothing more disappointing than losing your favorite bartender. That's right. I was going to say my friend Chris Murphy used to, he tells a story of how he would um, come and meet me when I was on dates with girls <laughs> or young boys. Joking, of course. Uh, when he'd come meet me and, and, and be like, and I'm, you know, be like, what are you, uh, you gotta be kidding. He's like, and then talk about his dead brother or something to try and ruin the date, which sounds like a horrible friend, but it was funny, I guess, just because, you know, I'm like, and people would always say, well, how did you know where he was? And he goes, oh, his bartender told me. <laughs> his bartender told me. And that was the dream come true <laughs> that I had a bartender that would know exactly where I was at all times before cell phones were invented. I am very, very upset about this. Now, meanwhile, that being said, I knew I was having one more night at this place and Kate and Olga came and they sat right on either side of me. And then they proceeded once they started drinking to get into a huge fight. It was awesome. I tried to record some of it. I just didn't make it in time. They were yelling at each other. It was great. Kate was really mean to Olga. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember that me and the bartender, Chris, were just looking at each other because he wouldn't even walk away because it was too interesting to see these two girls fighting at each other and yelling at each other. I don't even know what they were saying. She was like, you don't even know. It was like, you know, you don't even know how to hold a man, you know, and and talking about her last relationship with uh, Dove, I think. And she goes, I can't believe you brought that up. It was It was right out of the movies. It was very entertaining. And then Olga later said, why did you take my side? I'm like, what are you, out of your mind? I got to decide with Kate because Kate's crazy. You know I'm on your side, but I got to decide with this one. Otherwise, she's going to punch me in the face. <laughs> she goes, All right, 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 right. Smart, smart. Oh, it was great. I mean, it really made for a really great night. Meanwhile, it's funny because at the half, I wanted to leave. You know, I was there from 7. I like to stay till 9.30. And I don't really care about the game at this point. I just like having the wings and the fact that it is a Monday. And like, let's leave. But they were like, no, let's stay. You got to watch the rest of the game. I'm like, no, I really don't. If we had left, none of that would have happened. That's what I told Olga. I'm like, if we had left, none of it would have happened. Funny thing about these two idiots is that um, the, when they were leaving, you so you want to share an Uber downtown? Sure. <laughs> After they were like, I'm done with her. I'm done with her. But then, uh, then I think they went downtown and Kate said something else mean. Because Kate's mean, as you know, because you, maybe you've seen her on my show. She's really mean. She's so pretty. I usually let it go. I mean, so pretty. Oh, my God. So it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to, for me, it's, it's hard to be mad at her. Because I just like, oh, I can't have her not out of my life. She's so gorgeous. She really is that gorgeous. But on the inside, pretty bad news. Uh, but it's so funny that just like there's so uh, drunks, the two of them um, that they're like they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Like, so you want to share a cab? Yeah. <laughs> but we can ask Olga all about this because we have to have her on the show because she wants to talk about man stealing whores and stuff like that and uh, people that treat her bad. And I have no problem with that, like I said, and. And Marcy, thank you for saying, because I was asking, would anybody be interested in that? And Marcy's like, I'm all in on everything, Olga. And I'm like, good, because uh, she is rather a fascinating individual, as as strange and quirky as she is. She is fascinating and a good um, comic. The next stop is. I buried the lead. I buried the lead. 
yesterday, I don't know whether you saw it, Friday, January 7, was Judge Jerry. Did you guys watch or what? Judge fucking Jerry. If you didn't see it, if you didn't make sure that you saw this, then you are not a fan of this podcast because that Judge Jerry performance, and I didn't know how it was going to be. I saw it for my first time too on Friday, was one of the greatest acting performances I've ever given. The people have spoken, and they thought it was one of the greatest things since 1989's, or is that 87, Morton Downey show that I did all those years ago, 30 years ago. It was an unbelievable thing. Now, you know, I don't know who can watch it at 1130 in the morning on a Friday, and there's nowhere to find it online yet. However, Liz from the Comedy Cellar found it somehow and Noam, the owner, saw it because I told him, I'm like, hey, dude, I totally plugged the shit out of the Comedy Cellar while I was on that show. And I said, this is the greatest comedy club. It's an honor to work there. Everybody knows it. And, and, then, and then they show a clip of the Comedy Cellar and us doing stuff. And I mean, it's a real good. And Judge Jerry goes, I know it. I know it. It is. I mean, Noam was so happy that outside Steve called me yesterday. He goes, hey, this is really good for you. You know, because you're feeling down and not a part of the cellar. This is really good. And he thought it was the greatest because it is. The whole thing is great anyway. Bichetti is hilarious. Rachel, forget about it. It was as advertised as best. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, you're crazy. Now, I don't even know how Sarah saw it. Sarah Silverman also texted me last night. Say, I just saw it. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And remember, this is how I started opening for her. She saw me on Crashing. She's like, he's such a good actor. I have to have him open for me. Marina said the same thing, which is good because she's planning a show. So it's good that everybody still knows I'm, I'm alive. I'm a good actor because, you know, it's a character you're doing, even though it's close to me myself. But I'm still pretending to act. I'm pretending to hate Pachetti, which, of course, I don't. I'm, I'm pretending to be mad at Rachel. I'm pretending to be surprised at the verdict. What? <laughs> So that's all acting, but that's what's good. And I keep telling her, you know, I keep telling everybody, see, I'm a good actor. And I want to tell them that, and I want to put it out there because I want them to hire me. But it, that's, it's good to have been out there and people see it because they like it. Other than that, people just like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because it is. Because you're not going to get, Sarah wrote, um, and I'll tell you, I'm talking about Sarah Silverman, and I didn't put my airplane mode on, so I actually have it today. Last night at three in the morning, she wrote, are you, are you kidding me? In huge letters. I just watched Judge Jerry. Oh my God. You just basically produced and starred in an hour of television. That was crazy. Amazing. And Rachel and Mike and all the clips, they just gave you the whole show. It was so cool. So what I'm saying is, if you didn't see it, you're an idiot. Because it was unbelievable. Now, hopefully, we're hoping it's going to go to YouTube or somehow we'll be able to get a clip of it. I'll play you some clips, and it'll be great. But right now, it's just on my DVR, <laughs> the last person that has one. And it, I mean, the way they put it together, I mean, I was terrified. I mean, I was watching it, and I was nervous, and I was pacing. And I, because, you know, you know, I looked okay. I think I looked, I looked good. You know, whatever. I was wearing a jacket and tie, right? But I look okay. But I'm just looking at my faults because that's what people do. Now, these are faults that I'm sure nobody else noticed. 
I'm not even going to tell you what they are because I don't want to point them out because then you'll look for them. But that's but that's what people do. You know, I know Rachel's going to do that too. Here's the worst part, though. Poor Rachel. We were talking yesterday. She was so happy. She was having a good. She didn't see it. She's like, oh, it did. It was great. It was great. She was very excited. That was I'm very excited. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. It's going to bother you. And nobody notices this, but I know she's going to notice. So I set it. I set it up for it. She's very upset. Now she doesn't want to tweet it anywhere. She doesn't want it to come out on YouTube. She's kind of. She's going to ruin this experience with her craziness. But she has a valid point. But she's going to ruin the experience. I probably shouldn't have told her, but I know she would notice it later. I probably ruined her weekend. For some reason or other, they put your age on the show. Uh, I was furious when I saw it for myself, but I'm like, well, whatever. But they did it for her, and I know she hates that. I mean, what woman wouldn't? It's awful. She looks amazing, but they put her age on it when they say her name. And I'm like, why is that necessary? And the problem is, I don't know whether it's coming back for a fourth season, so I don't think there's any way to scrub it. So now she's just not wanting anybody to see it. And maybe I shouldn't have told her. I just wanted to prepare her for it because I know she would notice it. And she's really upset about it. And you can't blame her. Now, for me and Mike, it's kind of funny, I guess, because it's like there's nothing funnier than two old men just still yelling at each other. That, For me, that's why I liked the Golden Girls. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, here's two old people. Turns out I think they were younger than me now. Uh, it's like That's why I like the odd couple. There's nothing funnier than old people continuing to act like young people. Like the older you get, you still yell and scream at people. And that, for me, always said that keeps me young knowing that all this never ends. The ridiculousness, the silly, the drama, the yelling and screaming, the getting upset with people, the all that stuff never ends. You can be, you know, I watch in my mother's community in your 90s and, and everybody's still upset about stuff and they're angry and they hold grudges and there's backstabbing. It never ends. High school never ends like our friend Adam Schlesinger told us in the amazing Bowling for Soup song. You think for sure that's all you've got to endure all the total dicks all the stuck up chicks so superficial so immature and then when you graduate you take a look around and you say hey wait this is the same as where i just came from i thought it was over oh that's just great the whole damn world is just as obsessed with who's the best dressed and who's having sex who's got the money But I will tell you, it was unbelievable. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you find it. But if you find and again, I don't know how Liz found that it's a weird transcription thing or something. But if you can find it anywhere, you will want to do yourself a favor. If you like this show, you must see this episode of Judge Jerry. It is not to be believed. You will sit there going, how? Does something like this happen? How does he get on these things? It's like that. But it's the way Sarah said it. It really was like, it's a promo for Turbo Charge, technically, even though they make fun of it. That's fine. 
and for the comedy seller and Dave Jobscow. But it is it was very entertaining. Again, I have to sit back and deal with, you know, just like, I don't know whether I could ever watch it again. People keep sending me uh, screenshots of it where I look fine, so it's okay. But it's uh, everybody who saw it just thought it was great, and they keep sending me screenshots and stuff. But it's great. I mean, I love it. I'm happy for the people that are, are, are trickling in. You know, I didn't get a, at noon. Not a lot of people called, but the people that did, it was really funny. Obviously, so you know, my sister, and my mother saw it. So I said to my mother, "How'd you like it?" Because I wasn't sure if she remembered, but she remembered. And uh, I thought for sure she was going to be like, you know, you need to get, you know, I thought it was good. We were going to get the nose done again or or the uh, my eyes done. But she didn't say anything about my appearance. Thank God this time. The first time in history I've been on television, my mother didn't tell me to get plastic surgery. Maybe she's just said like, you know, Jesus Christ, my son's almost 70. Let it go. So I <laughs> think that's something nobody, not yet. Nobody said I'm, I'm waiting for my sister to make that. Even though we make fun of my mother for saying that my sister doesn't realize she does it too. And I'm waiting for her to call me that, you know, I've been thinking about that show and you should really think about, I don't even know where she'd be going. You should think about getting your eyebrows done What everybody says anyway, but you know, for what purpose, who cares, but that's easy, but it, it should be something more complicated, but how funny I hope you got to see it, and I'll try and come up with clips if you haven't. But it it was not to be believed. That's 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 all I can say about that. Now, also yesterday, again. Now, oh, all right. So let me tell you this, and um, I guess I did. Uh, even though I didn't leave the house, there was a lot of activity this week. So, as you know, things are quite bleak financially. We've talked about that multiple times, and I finally realized because I'm not even doing comedy anymore. I kind of gave up that West side club. It was just driving me crazy. And I just want to have a fun, nice place to play. And I don't know, obviously the comedy sells a problem. So, so I'm not making any money. I was like, I got, I, I think it's time. I have to get a job. I got to not get my old job back. I didn't want to do this, but maybe there's something I can do here at home. I have a skill, you know, where I do these, electronic filings for the securities and exchange commission it's like this skill and maybe there's something i can do i'll just google something and i did and uh this company called me and you know we talked and we had a good time and i didn't know who they were but my friend joe looked them up and they looked they look legit to me because there's a bunch of people out there where you're not sure what's happening you know what i'm saying if you i'm just googling shit just random and this company called me back, and we talked, and then they like set up a, a Zoom call on, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday. I talked to people on Wednesday. Right. And I, I, mean, I can tell you guys, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen uh, you know, was interviewing me. I mean, she's made for Zoom because, I mean, her face is just gorgeous. Now, obviously, I did not say that. But I certainly wanted. Oh my God, you're a hot! <laughs> I wanted to be me too before I got the job. I thought that was funny because if you, of course, we all remember the uh, when I interviewed at White and Case here in New York in uh, in 1999 or no, was it even? I don't remember when the hell it was. Um, yeah, maybe it was 1999 uh, when I kept laughing when the girl said, "We have offices in Bangkok." Everybody remembers that classic. Um, they were going to hire me, and then uh, that was out the window. So this woman's interviewing me, you know, and I'm I'm upset. I'm upset that I have to do this, that I have to get her. I have, first of all, I haven't had a job interview in 22 years. 
and even that one was like it was so easy it was ridiculous so i've never really sat down and had a job interview i'm trying to remember how i got my first job but whatever the case may be so she's saying the standard things she's like uh so what what kind of salary you're looking for and i'm like oh you know whatever whatever you're given is fine (laughs) i'm so upset and i don't even i don't even want my i just know i need some money so i'm like well whatever's fine oh Great. I'm like, she's like, do you have any problems? We kind of ask if people might, might, you know, if we need you work on holidays. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, so you don't mind like working maybe Christmas Day? Nah, yeah, it's fine. Oh, well, would you mind picking up extra work in case, you know, the thing you do? Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm used to that. That's fine. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's like, yeah, we offer, uh, in, in, you know, we have a full insurance, uh, dental, uh, 401. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, great. Here we go again with this. I mean, anybody else would be delighted at this, but I'm like, ah, because <laughs> I don't, I don't want it. I don't want a job like this. I don't want all that crap. I just don't want it. It's weird because it's then it's like, ah, I'm gonna be here forever again. I'm gonna be here for twenty goddamn. So the re- so that rest of that day where it looked pretty good, like I, I'll probably get the job. The woman's like, yeah, I, I like you. And I, I think you could really fit in. I, I didn't know. I thought they were a recruiting company, but I guess I'd be working for them. And she goes, I really think you can help me out. This is looking good. And then they called me yesterday. Like, yeah, it's, uh, we got some real positive feedback. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what kind of, I don't even know what kind of company it is. I really have no idea. But I know I get to work from home. And they told me like, it's a full-time job. The hours from like 11 to eight. And I'm like, oh, and that was depressing because you know, then I really can't do comedy anymore during the week or do anything. So I got depressed because because I might get this job. <laughs> it's like the complete backwards of anybody else. But knowing full well, if I don't get a job, I'm, uh, who you know, that, that's no good either. Somehow I lasted two years without working, but it, that's the bad part too is the pattern that my entire life has been, you know, work for 10 or 20 years, take two years off, try to do something, and then it fails, and then I'm back at work. And that's why I'm like, oh, my God, this consistent pattern really stinks. Now, this time, COVID was the end-all factor that kind of ruined everything. So it's not all my fault, but still. And, I mean, working from home is great, but then I'm like, I will never leave the house again now. Oh, my God. That's it. I will never be leaving the house. It's over. (laughs) It's not good. And then I'm saying, if there's legalized gambling where I don't even have to leave the house to make a bet, we're all in big trouble. But that all being said, I kind of got excited that I would have a job and my money problems may, you know, be better. Then I started like cleaning my apartment and doing stuff and, 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 be more productive because I guess when I'm financially stable, I'm in a better mood as would anybody be, I suppose. But it was just really funny because uh, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I guess they've never seen anybody interview where they're like, so what is your salary? Like whatever you guys are offering let's say yeah, whatever. It's fine. That's cool. I was like Damone. Yeah, sure. You don't mind working on Christmas day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Hey, listen, Whatever, right? Hey, Stacy. Yeah. I don't know. 
I mean, it's it's uh, whatever. I, I I don't know. Maybe I won't even get the job, so I don't even know what's happening. But whatever. I didn't even want to mention it, but how can I not mention it? I mean, I just because I'm embarrassed mostly, and and then you know, I'm sure you're sitting there going, "Well, don't be embarrassed that you have to get a job." It's just you know, I mean, but you know, I'm you know, I'm on this show. I know it's just Judge Jerry and everything, and I'm like, "But that's what I want to do. That's all I've ever wanted to do." But I always want to do stuff like that, really quirky, weird things, and people just don't get that shit. And the funny, you know, and the, the, I've always wanted to be an actor. And the, and the thing is that stand-up comedy was a good fast track into that kind of thing. But I was just not as great a stand-up comic as I guess I needed to be. And uh, every time I get good at stand-up comedy, there's some sort of thing where I just don't want to perform anymore. I mean, I do. I If I had a friendly, nice place to play, I would perform there. But I'm sick of doing these shows at places where I'm just not happy. Because... When I'm happy and in a good mood, I'm a great stand-up comic. And if I'm not in a good mood and I'm scared and not happy to be there, I'm awful. But that's my entire existence. That's its entire podcast. You've gone through seven years or eight, seven or whatever it is at this point, three name changes. When I'm in a good mood, this podcast rules. And when I'm down, it ain't that great. Just Now in the City will return after these messages. This week on the Comedy Cellar Football Show, join me, Dave Juskow, as we talk playoffs. Just for an hour, from 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time until 7. It should be a lot of fun. Join us then. And on the Billy Joel A to Z Show, we have our two-part interview with the amazing Scott Ackerman. If you're interested to find out what it's like directing President Barack Obama and much, much more, then you will enjoy our two-part interview Tuesday and Thursday with Scott Ackerman on Billy Joel, A to Z. Please be careful of the gap between the platform and the train. Meanwhile, on Tuesday, I went to uh, the diner, you know, as I often do. Nick Griffin wasn't around, so I went by myself. And this guy started yelling at this waitress, whatever he was. Uh, he, he was uh, rolling his, uh, whoever, this uh, person in a wheelchair. And I was coming behind, and I'm like, oh, this guy's all, I can't get I can't get past, I can't get past, what an asshole. I get past, I go to the diner, I sit down, and then he comes, and I'm like, oh, God, now they're coming in here. And he starts yelling at the waitress, hey, leave the goddamn door open. And he starts yelling at the waitress. I'm like, what a complete asshole. And then as I'm eating, I realize, oh, my God, it's a guy from my building. A guy from my building I've known for a long time. I forgot his wife had a stroke. I'd forgotten. That's who he was rolling down. So I guess that's why he's been angry all this time and, I don't know. He's changed as a person. He used to be really nice, and I guess his wife uh, thing took a toll. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to say something, even though you know he's been kind of nasty to people and stuff. But uh, and then I saw him. Hey, I mean, there's no way I couldn't have noticed him while I was eating. There, staring right at him, but I pretended like I didn't know. But then when I left, I made sure I said hello in case he saw me there, because then it would be worse in the building, but I just couldn't believe that the rude man was like, ah, crap, I know this guy. But he, uh, and then I hadn't seen his wife at all. I was wondering why I hadn't seen her. She had a stroke. Well, that is the, uh, there's, and there, you know, I better be nice to the people in the building because everybody's leaving and dying. So uh, I got no friends left. And he saw me talking to some people that he hates in the building. So then he got mad at me because again, there's all drama 
and bullshit because it never ends. And this guy's probably older than me, and the uh, and and it just never ends. Everybody's angry all the time for the rest of your life. Remember that it never subsides. It's fantastic. So you know, I'm saying to myself, I got to get out of the house because I named my podcast Just Guy in the City, but it's ridiculous that I'm just staying home. But it's freezing outside, and everything's full of COVID. So that's a, that's a definite issue. Now, am I afraid of COVID? I don't know. I'm vaccinated. I'm, I still haven't gotten it, but everybody's getting it. And now at this point, it's like the subway where I haven't taken the subway in two years, and I want to see if I can make it without getting COVID. Now it's more like a game. Now, I still would always go out on Mondays to the wings, but now I don't have to go anymore. But I'll probably go back to Jackson Heights, those Korean wings. Oh, man. On Monday, but of course, I'm not taking the subway there, so I don't care. But I mean, everybody has COVID. You know this. It's so weird. So I'm not getting it because I don't see anybody. I go out to Dunkin' Donuts for two seconds. I come back. So, I mean, now at this point, I, I just, I want to try not to get it. So I guess, I guess that is in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, why am I going out when clearly everybody's getting COVID? Uh, and maybe there's just a matter of like, I don't want to spend money on random times when I don't have to. I don't want to drink that much, whatever, which is why it's you know crazy that I'm not losing that much weight. There's this girl that I like a lot and um, she's really pretty. And I think I told you we hung out this summer. It's the best time to hang out with her in the summer because she wears awesome clothing. And her name is Hope, and she's really pretty and fun, really fun, ridiculously fun. And she wears hot outfits in the summer, and that's why I like her. I, in the winter, though, she, she don't look that great. <laughs> anyway, her birthday is uh, this week, you know, tomorrow, right, whatever it is. And so she was having this thing. I saw it online. She has a show at the Producers Club which is this very, very tiny, gross place on 44th and 9th in Hell's Kitchen where Richard Klein used to do his acting class and we all, me and Murphy, Chris Murphy, told him to stop doing it there. It's gross in there. But it, it, it's a theater space. A very, they have a couple of theaters up there and like a bar, but it's, it's a little seedy. I've been going there for years to see people in plays and stuff. So she kind of took it over. I guess she was working as a bartender there, and she kind of took it over and produces shows there, which I know because she's asked me to do it or to get people to come, and I don't know. I'm like, maybe. And and quite frankly, working there would probably be great because it's a little tiny theater space, which is probably good for somebody like me. So so she has this thing, which I see. She goes, hey, I'm, I'm taping my half-hour special. I'm like, I'm sorry. My trick ear must be bothering me. <laughs> Uh, you know she's just doing it on her own probably using a camera or whatever but she's she's taping her special she's having a birthday party taping her special it's going to be fun you know it's just a bunch of people hanging out and that i'm like you know what i could do that it's a friday that sounds perfect i have nothing to do i'll go i'll ask my friend lara to come with me and we'll have a good time i mean like lara you've seen good comedy now you're going to see bad comedy <laughs> but whatever it'll be fun and then i'm saying to myself what am i what am i what, what, what am i talking about I can't go to this space. This space has to be full of COVID. This is the worst place to go. There's one thing going to the West Side Comedy Club, which is still in a basement, which, by the way, they closed down on the weekdays because nobody's going to comedy clubs. Yes, the cellar is there, but it's still not the same. I mean, you have to be crazy to go to a comedy club when everyone's getting COVID and you're laughing and, and talking and that's the worst, that in a gym. So this just isn't the time. We just have to wait a month. 
you know, when that'll be all be over, everybody will had it and everything will come back, right? But right now, this is a bad time to go. I'm sure you guys all agree. But this producers club is the worst place to go. And I felt bad because I really did want to go and show support. But I'm going to tell them, I'm like, look, your place, that club is full of, and, and quite frankly, her other friends from that club are weird and probably, care, if they're not, if they don't have COVID, they probably have AIDS. You know, they're not gay. They just they just look like they're dirty and gross. Um, but they, they got some, they probably have other diseases that aren't even COVID. And this place is not the place to be. Someday when I go there, I'll try and get snapshots and I'll show them to you on a video podcast. And then you'll, of course, you'll never be able to get the feeling of it with a picture. But if you look online, they probably have pictures, the producers club. It's like kind of a ratty shithole where you don't want to be during a, a worldwide pandemic. And I felt bad because she's so sweet. And like I said, ridiculously fun. And you know she's going to wear something hot for her birthday. So I wanted to go, but it's it's not right. It, it, I just felt, and I know my friend Laura didn't want to go because she's like trying to, you know, like, look, I, I got friends coming by, whatever. I She doesn't want to catch COVID. <laughs> yeah. And she might have already had it already, and she just moved here. I don't know. She wants. She's looking for fun things to do, but yeah, it's not. That wasn't the place. Going to a restaurant would be different, but this place, I don't know. This didn't seem right, and I totally get it. And I, uh, I feel bad. I felt bad by not going. But what are you gonna do now? Like I said, it's like a game. I'm trying not to get it because I'm the only person I know. The only person I know. Me and Attell, Dave Attell are the only two people I know that haven't gotten it. And that's hilarious. And a tell for not getting it? I mean, that guy's out every night, every single night. I think the nicotine and tobacco in his system is keeping it from letting, that his body is so fucked up. Uh, besides his old alcohol abuse and then now the nicotine and tobacco constantly, he's not breathing in any kind of normal air. He's constantly with a cigarette in his mouth, so... Uh, the, the virus can't get in. <laughs> he never get it. He called me from uh, Chicago last night and he's like, I got to quit smoking. And then he goes outside where it's two degrees two, m- negative because Jeff, uh, Jeff and him were working together, Jeff Ross, and he posted that it was six. So if he was calling me at three in the morning, it was minus two or minus six. And, and he still goes outside to smoke. <laughs> I'm like I'm like you just told me you want to quit now you want to smoke in the freezing cold weather I have a problem I'm addicted I'm like I get that that sucks but he did say the funniest thing so Peter Bogdanovich died and if you remember a few maybe a month ago maybe two months tops we were talking about Peter Bogdanovich because I was watching that movie this is a guy that did you know he won an Oscar or I don't know whether he won the Oscar but he did you know he did like three really good movies and then a lot of crap. And we were talking about that Rob Lowe movie from the 80s called Illegally Yours. Remember? Because we were, I was like, wait a minute. Did I just see directed by Peter Bogdanovich? And remember, we were talking about it. And so we've already done this kind of tribute to him in a weird way. But it's funny when you do. He did the what? The last, I'm just off the top of my head. Lost Picture Show. Nickelodeon. A Paper Moon. Right? He loved working with Tatum O'Neill. For some God knows reason. And of course, what's up, Doc? It's fantastic. We played all these clips a couple months ago. What's up, Doc? Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. God, he loved working with the O'Neills. What the fuck? I'm just thinking about that. I don't know what that means. 
you know, so he so he made like three good and then just all bad. Uh, Tell and I were talking about it, we're like it's like um, we're talking about like it's like M Night Shyamalan or whatever. He makes that awesome Sixth Sense and then everything is crap. But he'll always get work because all you need to do is make that one really great one, and you'll always get work, even though you have a lifetime of crap. So yeah, he did this. You know, he did this. Uh, these important Oscar winning things or Oscar you know nominated things. And then illegally yours with Rob Lowe. I mean, I, I still can't. I still can't wrap my head around it. It's so weird. But the best was this guy always wore an ascot. So Attell, of course, goes. You know, they uh, put an ascot on a skeleton in his coffin. <laughs> and that made me laugh so hard. And I said, you know, you and I are at the age where we should start wearing ascots. What are we doing? Why are we waiting so long? I need to start wearing an ascot. I'm of the proper age. Or should I just wait until I'm actually... No, no, now's the time to do it. You want to do it while you're younger. Yeah, isn't that guy from uh, Punky Brewster, doesn't he wear one in uh, Tootsie? Oh, Dorothy, I love what you did with our scene today. I just have to walk around talking like that and wearing an ascot and a jacket. Yeah, I've got to get an ascot. It's very important. But to put it on a skeleton, well, that is the funniest thing I'd ever heard. That Attell always brings it. So last night also, Sidney Poitier died. Now, Sidney Poitier is a very interesting character as, you know, growing up uh, the times I did, he just wasn't a relevant figure because, you know, in reading about him, I mean, I certainly knew about him, but I didn't, I never saw one Sidney Poitier movie. I never saw Stir Crazy, but that was after the fact of what he had done. And it's fascinating that he was in it and, uh, well, he didn't, that he directed that. But how cool that he directed this classic comedy of a guy that was very, very serious. So in 1967, he makes, Sidney Poitier, makes three legendary movies that I've never seen. In the Heat of the Night, I mean, maybe I've seen the important scene. They call me Mr. Tibbs. I don't think he was that great an actor, but he was the only one we had. And, you know, obviously reading about him is fascinating. He's like, there was only one black guy. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, when you're the... When you're the, the first, it's got to be so difficult. So he, so he you know, was saying, I'm not doing roles that I don't think are good. And he could be picky and choosy, but I, I don't know whether that didn't help his career or whatever, but I think he took a break. I think he was fed up because, so he did, um, the, the, what, the guest who's coming to dinner uh, in three years uh, to serve with love, which everybody knows, in the heat of the night, right? So he does these three amazing movies in one year. So he's the guy. And then he just gets shit from black people. He's like, what are you doing? They they guess who's coming to dinner. You're not doing anything. You're not doing any activism. You're not doing anything. You're just playing the typical black guy in a white world. So then he was like, you know what? I can't win. If I'm going to get shit from white people, and then my own brothers and sisters are going to give me shit, this stinks. And then he just kind of took off. I mean, he was just done. And that's why I, you know... Me and the people that I grew up with who were around my age didn't really know or care about Sidney Poitier because before, you know, the, the only thing I ever saw him in was Sneakers, which I've seen probably 50 times. Sneakers with Robert Redford, for some reason, Sidney Poitier, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix. Uh, who's that guy that's in uh, Black Britain, the the... the, the born identity uh, uh i can't think of his name too 
He, uh, Elliot or something, or is that who he plays? I can't remember. He's Richard Stratham. Is that it? I I can't remember. I don't know why I'm I'm thinking of him. And and of course, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky. This is off the top of my head. Sneakers and Ben Kingsley. Why am I remembering all Timothy Busfield. It's all coming to me because I've seen it like 50 goddamn times. I don't know why it's so goddamn entertaining. It's Robert Redford's doing. See, now, Robert Redford, what we talked about before, you talk about Brad Pitt and Robert Redford, right? Because they're very similar in the sense of why they're relevant. But Brad Pitt stinks. Yes, he was good. I do like him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But other than that, he's very dull. He's very boring. To me, he brings nothing to the table. Nothing. So when he's in a movie, I, I don't hate him or anything. I'm just it doesn't bother me. It's just like I'm like I'm he's dull. Whereas Robert Redford is, uh, you know, just as attractive. <clears throat> Maybe Brad Pitt's more attractive. I don't know. But Robert Redford, let's face it, he's he's attractive. He's cool, but he's he's this he's interesting. And maybe he's not the best actor, but he's interesting all the time, just playing himself. He's cool. In sneakers, that's the reason the movie's good. He's good. He he's good in everything you see him in. Robert Redford, he's amazing. And what's what's that favorite movie that I like from the set? The Three Days of the Condor. He's just playing an everyman. There's something really good about Robert Redford. Let alone what he did, you know, with his later career in the the activism and the directing and and uh, the, the the fucking film festival that he began, and then people had film festivals after that. I mean, this guy is a pioneer in every way. But he's so interesting, and Brad Pitt isn't. And uh, that's why I like Sneakers, because <laughs> Robert Redford's in it. And it was like a later film. And, I, you know, I don't know, he didn't do that much after it. And that's what makes it it's a stupid movie like Sneakers good, because Robert Redford and Sidney Poitier are in it, and it makes no sense. Why are they in this movie? And River Phoenix, you know, what is he in? Three movies before he... Uh, he, he died, and he's great in it. And Dan Aykroyd's great. Everybody's really good. They're all good performances. But this poor guy, he was like, I've had it. Hollywood can go suck it. <laughs> I keep thinking that they didn't mention it, but I could have sworn he did a movie with, uh, for some reason, he came out of retirement to do a movie with Kirstie Alley, yet nobody's mentioned it yet. I seem to remember that. What Maybe that was the shoot to kill or something, whatever it was. I just remember... In the 90s, not knowing that much about Sidney Poitier, except that he was just angry at the the world, and can you blame him? I I can't even imagine what it would be like being the one black guy that, you know, just, I, uh, that must have been so difficult, great and difficult at the same, it must have been the same thing Hank Aaron was going through, the the exact, well, not the exact same thing, but poor Hank Aaron, I mean, you know, that's the guy that um, hit the most home runs ever before there were steroids. This poor guy, he breaks, uh, what is it, uh, Babe Ruth's record, and he, all he does is get hate mail, hate mail, hate mail, you stink, you know, a lot of derogatory to poor, the poor guy. Like, you know, when he was interviewed by Bob Costas and multiple times, like, when you broke Babe Ruth's record, you know, it's like, it was it was the most, I mean, I remember watching on TV, it was unbelievable, and he said that's like one of the worst days of his life. I mean, what, how, that blows. Do you want another Coke? Um... Okay. I'll tell you what else is awesome. In South Korea, there's a guy running for president. He's a presidential candidate. 
Uh, and he has the support of all the bald voters over his push for government payments for hair loss treatment. Now, this guy is a genius. That is the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> because if you're, you know, if you're looking to get other voters or, you know, and if you make a plan, Bill Clinton went for young voters or you want to, you know, the, the blacks isn't good enough or the Hispanics, you know, not good enough. Bald voters. Goddamn brilliant. We will make sure that everybody is eligible for our hair treatments. That is goddamn brilliant. This guy needs to win. And then he needs to be our president because that's the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. What's his name? Jung Lee? Lee Jae Ming. He's not even bald. He's not bald. And he's just saying, hey, dudes, I'm going to take care of you. Goddamn brilliant. Oh, that's so smart. Another thing. Uh, so th- you want to hear something weird? And we, we really got to go, I guess. I'm, I don't want to make these uh, too long, but um, I, I got to talk about this. Or maybe I should talk about this next week. I've forgotten. It's about David Bowie. Okay, I'll tell you real quick. David Bowie just came out with a new album. I know, he's dead. But there's an album that he did a long time ago in the maybe the 2000s, and then it didn't go anywhere because he was with record companies. It's so funny. They really just put themselves out of the business, did not understand... It's so fascinating. The record industry was so stupid and did not see the future coming. And Bowie did. And the record industry, as you know, just ruined everything and everyone and artistry. And Bowie and Prince and the real good people saw it all coming. And the record industry was way behind. And that's why they had all these problems with Napster and all those things and It's just so, the record industry was full of douchiness and blocking great artistry. So Bowie loved working. It was nonstop, you know, he was a multitasker. And he makes this album, and the record company's taking too long to put out. They're like, oh, we don't have time. I don't know, whatever it was, they're idiots. So he just goes on to another album in 2002 and puts out something else. So this one never came out because the record company couldn't get it. And he was like, I'm just going to put out my own from now on. This is like 2002. So he was like, I, I'm just going to be in a place where I can just put out my own stuff. Like he knew, you know, it just wasn't ready yet, but he was heading towards that. He's just, I'm not waiting for the record company anymore. So he just moved on. And now they just released this album of, an album of um, a bunch of songs he might've done in the sixties and he just re-recorded them. But everybody loves new Bowie stuff or old Bowie stuff. It doesn't really matter. And he re-recorded them with the new band. And as you know, maybe you heard, he just uh, sold his, it was his, whoever is in his estate just sold this catalog for you know $500 million or something like that. But here's the weirdest thing. Now, this song is not on the album because it, well, it, it's, it, the album is called Toy. And it's from 2001. It just got released uh, right after Thanksgiving. Here's the weird part. This isn't on the, this made it to the 2002 album. I think it's called Slip Away, I think. But this is so fucking weird. There was a guy here in, in, in New Jersey where I grew up called Uncle Floyd. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Why would you? He's a local guy on channel 68. You know, one of those channels you had to hook up your antenna to. It was on UHF. Every day at around four o'clock, Uncle Floyd. And he wore like a, 
you know, a hat, a bowler hat or something. Not a bowler, like a like a stupid, like a Ted Knight and Caddyshack hat. <laughs> you got one of these, you got a free bowl of soup. And he had puppets and it was a talk show and it was stupid. And it was out of Jersey and it was just ridiculous. But he play, he was a good piano player. In fact, his brother, I believe, was part of, um, what was the band? Was it Conan? Yeah, he was on Conan's late night band when Conan was on uh, NBC at 1230, his brother. But this guy, Uncle Floyd, Floyd Vivino, Everybody my age knew him growing up. David Tell knew him. You know, it's like, I guess this channel UHF on 68, everybody could get it. And apparently, I just found it yesterday, and I can't wait to talk to Attell about this because he doesn't know. David Bowie, John Lennon, and I'm missing a third one, were obsessed with Uncle Floyd. I guess they'd sit around in New York City, get high, and watch this guy. Now, one of my friends... This guy, Mike Rowe, who I've known for years, started at the Comedy Cellar. He's a really good writer, very good joke writer. He writes for Family Guy and um, Futurama and a bunch of other stuff. He's been around for years. He used to work on that show, and there's footage of him on the show. I mean, it's like this. I even know people from the show. And me and Attell were so obsessed with Uncle Floyd and his strangeness and yet greatness we went to go see him play about 10 years ago in Jersey. He's still alive. Me and Bob Golden and Dave went to go see him because Dave was thinking of producing a documentary about him. And Uncle Floyd was thrilled. We were talking about it. And we were putting it together. I think I have the proposal somewhere on a, on a floppy disk. No, I'm kidding. I think I have it on my computer. So we went to check him out. And we couldn't decide. And then we, we heard somebody else was doing something. So we dropped it. But now that I know that David Bowie and John Lennon were fans of his. Maybe we should revisit it. (laughs) So this is the opening of the song toy, which became because this album was never released. He took it. He liked this song so much. He brought it to the next album. He's like, fuck them that they won't release it. I'll put it on my next album. And it's so, and it's all about Uncle Floyd and his puppet Oogie, who David Tell and I have been talking about since 1988 or 87. I don't know how to explain it, but the album opens with 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 some of Uncle Floyd and then goes into the song. It's insane. Well, I was just thinking, did you ever stop and think? If there wasn't an Uncle Floyd show, what everyone on the show would be doing? <laughs> Why, Oogie, I think about that all the time. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. Take Skip, for instance. <laughs> he wouldn't have anything to worry about. He he always had a good job as a radio announcer, and he, he would have been in showbiz anyway. How about Muggsy? Muggsy would never have to worry. He's a musician. He can always work as a musician. And Neto, Neto wouldn't worry. He wouldn't even notice the show was off the air. (laughs) And how about Charlie? (laughs) He wouldn't have to worry. (laughs) He still lives at home. Scott, but he would sit home around the house all day and 
wait till silent movies came back. And I was thinking, thinking about you, Uncle F. What would you do? Oogie waits just another day. Drags his bones to see the Yankees play. Bones by talks and flickers gray. Oh, they slip away. Slip away. The time they nearly might have been Bones and Oogie on a million screens No one knew what they could do Except for me and you They slip away so crazy i mean that song just turns into like you, you just don't expect it from the, I, I, that is the actual recording i guess obviously they got permission they, you know, uncle floyd's not going to give them permission i mean it's so crazy i i i wonder if i should have mike rowe on the show we probably should anyway because he's an interesting guy he's just a little strange but um you know he's on the show but it's just a, you know it's talking about bowie and john lennon used to just watch this show together john fucking lennon and it's funny, I keep thinking about my old public access show where everybody used to watch it at three in the morning, including Mike Rowe, who worked on the Uncle Floyd show. Of course, he liked my show because it was exactly like Uncle Floyd. I wasn't taking, I mean, we didn't have the laughing in the background, but it was just stupid. And people would watch it at three in the morning because there was nothing else on. And this, they used to watch it three in the afternoon because there was nothing else on. And just it, my show was made for people to get high and just and watch. I just thought that was the, so. So he had a puppet named Oogie. And Atel and I have been making fun of that for years. A puppet named Oogie and then a, a, another like string puppet named Bones. So that's why when you heard that thing, he was actually, Uncle Floyd was talking through the puppet. The puppet was talking, but, you know, if you see it, I mean, I, there's no video of it. I just know it. He's just holding the puppet and talking into the camera. And Oogie was just this little tiny prop puppet. Like, a, if you ever seen Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, it was like a, like Kukla. <laughs> like a little... Punch and Judy puppet, like a hand puppet, a small hand puppet, Oogie, <laughs> that most comics my age totally know, but it was ridiculous. I used to watch the show as a kid, but not like religiously. I used to have it in the background. I never really found it that funny, but I found it very interesting, I remember. And I remember like, where are they doing the show and how can I get on it? And then one of my friends actually did. I think it went all the way. It. I wonder if, I think it went all the way into the, 90s. It lasted a long time on this UHF channel. 
And David Bowie recorded, and he and he loved it so much. Oogie and Bones wait for everything. I don't I don't know what the lyrics are, but it, he he mentions Oogie in the song. That's why I was like, what what it, what is this? It just said David Bowie, Uncle Floyd, and it was called and 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 I'm like what? And that's the name of the song until they replaced it and called it Slip Away, and it it's it's I, I don't I don't even know how to explain it. I I just I was like, this got to be a joke. And then when I heard the the, the 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 scene from it, you know, I'm like, like, well, this is somebody must have put this together, but I've done the research. They did not. David Bowie commissioned this to happen. You gotta love this guy. It's unbelievable, and that's after he's dead. David Bowie is completely missed, like an Adam Schlesinger. Yes, I compared them, but wow. I mean, uh, that is so cool and crazy. But Bowie would love that we were just getting into his absolute nuttiness and and brilliance now, right? I keep thinking, you know, he was talking about uh, something. We were talking about when he had a kid with Amon around that same time of the album. And I'm like, geez, I think that's when I met Amon, you know, because she would come in my building all the time. I told you, we... We made this guy uh, on the sixth floor bed because he was, you know, dying, and we we were friendly with him. I was this close to meeting David Bowie. He was in my building where I live now, multiple times. We had to prop him up. This guy, this old man, Danny Zarin, I had to prop him up to so he could uh, receive Michael Caine and David Bowie, so people didn't know he was sick. They, he didn't want them to feel bad for him. Like David fucking Bowie was in the building with me. Like I said, that's why I rode the elevator with Amon. I remember not knowing who she was, and I'm like, I have to talk to her. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And then I realized who it was, and then we saw each other again later. I was like, I have to talk to her. She's the most stunning woman I've ever seen. I need to know everything about her. When somebody's that beautiful, and it's impossible to talk to a girl, but you have you, even if you're like, all right, seriously, what what are you? How you doing? <laughs> we were riding the elevator together. I'm like, yeah, so uh so what's going on? <laughs> I mean, wow. Is she something else? But how about that? David Bowie. Well, uh, just uh, a couple more things. Uh the they, they canceled the Golden Globes, couldn't be happier. It's beautiful. The Golden Globes got canceled and they canceled the Golden Globes. Something happened where they're mad at the Hollywood Foreign Press. I mean, it's so people are crazy. The whole world is going to implode between the weather and the canceling and COVID. I mean, I I still can't figure out whether. No, no, no. I, you know how you, you when you say your parents were old, they would always talk about things that different. Goddamn kids don't. I mean, I make fun of it all the time, but there's something weird going on that nobody saw coming, and I'm including weather wise. These flashed up, like, I don't know if you heard about I-95, the roadway from Maine to Florida. Complete People were stuck in Virginia for two days, like 20 hours. Because it was like that thing that my niece got caught in where there was like just like a, a rain and snow, these new kind of weather patterns where they just dump a river on you and you're stuck. And, they, and you can't explain. Now that you got to be careful of these things. I'm not talking about a flash flood. I'm talking about the super flash flood or whatever they call it. And they're new. And they didn't have them when our parents were growing up. So that's all messed up. 
And that must have happened with the snow. It must have appeared out of nowhere. Nobody could keep track. People were stuck for 20 hours. It was fascinating to watch. And you're just sitting there going, thank God I'm not there. Because you have to also conserve gas. You got to figure out your cold, how you're going to put the heat on. They were sleeping there. They had no food, no water. Cell phones were probably running out of power. It's pretty messed up. Think about that every time you drive, folks. You should always have blankets in the car and provisions, which I usually do. I usually have some form of, like that time I told you we were on the FTR drive and we were stuck in traffic and the brilliance of the Weissmans having a case of White Claws ready to pass out to the people. There was a guy in the news, that he, was, he ran a bread truck and he was passing it out to people. Isn't that great? I guarantee when he got back, you gave away our bread. I guarantee the, the horrible boss who's just a piece of crap who didn't get it. But, wow, what is happening? Nobody knows. But I will tell you this. There's one thing we goddamn know, and it's that Just Got the City is the new podcast everyone's talking about and everybody wants to appear on. And you know it, and I know it, and everyone else knows it. So that's the most important thing. As Just Got the City continues into 2022 and makes everyone's life better because it is fun awesome informative and of course most importantly edgy with our new format (laughs) yeah so next week will be fantastic because i don't know what's gonna happen but you know it's gonna be good it's exactly like that little rascals clip i don't know what this is children but i know it's going to be good but the children always eat mush anyway folks i will see you next week Have a great week, and I'll see you on the Tuesday show, and then I'll see you right back here next week on Just Cow in the City. Good night, everybody.